Uh, we are delighted to welcome you today to our outdoor service as we have a season now to regather for those who are able to be gathered here with us we welcome you those who are with us online are in your cars once again we welcome you so delighted that we can be worshiping the lord together today may this season be a season of restoration a season of healing both to the church and through the church I say to the church because we've been stretched and we've been strained and we've been stressed over this last year. This has been a season of legitimate hardship. But if we listen, we may yet hear what God is speaking to his church because he has been speaking to his church and is continuing to speak to his church. So Lord, bring healing where healing needs to come. May God bring in this season healing through his church because her mission is still underway. Even as we conclude this series, we're talking hope has a name. My prayer is that you will find yourself very much in step with the Holy Spirit, very much on mission for Christ. So today in the spirit of regathering, it's good to see you. It's good to worship with you. It's good to pray with you. It's good to open God's Word together. God's doing some special things. You know, already this morning, my wife found a baby that she didn't come in with. That, the little things that you don't expect, and, she, and this one seems to be cuter than our previous kids. So I, I think we, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good one. I love it. Today we are going to continue uh, looking at God's Word, and we're going to be reading in Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles... Encourage you to flip over there. We're going to spend some time there as well as a few other scriptures, so keep your Bibles handy. Uh, while you're turning there, I will say that last week I confessed to you in my message to erroneously and unknowingly using an alternative hair gel. And that prompted some very funny commentary from our very good humored congregation throughout the week. I received several suggestions and tips this week to help with all of my beauty and hygiene needs. One of my favorites was posted as follows, a warning about shampoo. The posting says, I don't know why I didn't figure this out sooner. I use shampoo in the shower. When I wash my hair, the shampoo runs down my whole body, and yet printed very clearly on the shampoo label is the warning for extra body and volume. No wonder I've been gaining weight. So the person gave me this advice. They said, I got rid of my shampoo. Now I only shower with Dawn dishwashing soap, whose label reads, dissolves fat that is otherwise difficult to remove. So I want to just say thank you for all of your tips, some of which I found more helpful than others. But it's good to have friends. Church, we've been uh, finishing up uh, this series, Hope Has a Name, as we've lifted up Jesus in worship today. On Easter Sunday, we spoke of Jesus, the name above all names, from Philippians 2. Last week, we spoke of Jesus, the cornerstone, from Acts chapter 4. Today, I'd like to draw our attention to Jesus, the peacemaker, and reading with you in Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes this. He says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. May God add blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Now, if this passage of Scripture sounds familiar to you, I would just say, then good job paying attention, because we actually looked at this passage on Palm Sunday, specifically focusing on Jesus, the image of the invisible God, in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Today, I'd like to focus our attention on verse 20, that through Christ, God would reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Thus the title of our message, Jesus the Peacemaker. Now I want you to notice that this scripture expands our understanding of the reconciling work of Christ beyond our typical dashboard. We see in this this passage that Christ, who is the physical embodiment of God in the flesh, is on a peacemaking mission reconciling all things unto himself. Now, as we want to kind of fully appreciate the beauty of this concept, I want to take us on a little bit of a wider uh, view of Scripture, uh, starting all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, which we typically know as the creation account. If we go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, one scholar describes the creation account this way. Unique among creation accounts, the Bible depicts a world that is brimming with dynamic, abundant forms of life that are perfectly interwoven, interdependent, mutually enhancing and enriching. The creator's response to this is delight. As he continues to respond, repeat rather, this is good. This is good. And we get little tastes of that on mornings like this when we sit out in the sun and it's just so beautiful. And we're together, and we're interdependent, and we're, we're worshiping Jesus together. And I know many of you, your hearts were lifted as we had the privilege of doing that. And we step back and we say, it is good. It is good. The Hebrew word for this perfect, harmonious interdependence among all parts of creation is called shalom. Can you say that with me? Shalom. We translate it as peace But the English word is basically negative. It's referring to the absence of trouble or the absence of hostility. The Hebrew word means much more than that. It means the idea of an absolute wholeness, fullness, harmonious, joyful, and flourishing life. I suspect that even as I read this definition, that there are some among us who receive those words with a sense of longing, Because we know when we look at our world 
and even our own lives, that things are not always as they should be. We are missing the shalom of God. We long for the shalom of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, I found this passage to be a good one, uh, thinking about this whole series and whole, whole emphasis we've had in the, in the realm of hope. Paul says this in, in chapter uh, 8 of Romans, verses 22 and following. He says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And many of us, that's what our lives are telling that story right now as we learn to wait on Jesus, the peacemaker. So today I'd just like to look at three things with you. Understanding the shalom of God, embracing the shalom of God, and then finally expanding the shalom of God. So let's dig into this together. I want to also give a little caveat and let you know I apologize for wearing sunglasses. Um, I asked my wife before I came up here, do you think it's bad form if I preach with sunglasses on? And she said, honey, I would much rather look at you with sunglasses on than look at your grimacing squinty face. So if the sunglasses are offensive, just trust my wife's judgment that the alternative would be worse. Understanding the shalom of God. When I was a kid, growing up in an evangelical church, I asked Jesus into my heart dozens of times. I don't know if you had that experience, if you grew up in, a, in an evangelical or a Christian church where you heard the gospel presented as a youngster, maybe you also made that commitment to Christ many times. I wanted to be sure. And when given the opportunity to make myself sure, I took it, largely motivated by the pursuit of an eternity that involves streets of gold rather than hellfire. I guess I was nothing if not practical. And I'm not downplaying the significance of that. The beauty of the gospel is that it can be embraced even by a little child who will then continue to grow up into the grace of Christ as we discover more, as we understand more, as we love more. There's nothing wrong with that. But there was a lot I didn't know as a child about my life in Christ because I thought that my life was with Jesus was primarily about where I was going to go when I died. Thus, it was relatively disconnected from anything in the here and now. Look what Paul says in verse 19 and 20 of this chapter. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him, that is Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This morning, church, I want to help you get maybe a bigger picture and understanding of the shalom of God. You see, when Scripture tells us that Christ is making peace through his blood shed on the cross, he's saying a lot. He's saying that those who are hostile are invited to a ceasefire from an indefinitely stronger opponent. 
We've made this point before, but I think it's worth bearing uh, out once again. Uh, one of our theolog theologian friends said, uh, isn't it nice to know that though we are by nature at enmity with God, that God is a really good enemy to have because he uses his incredible power not to destroy us, but rather to woo us and win us and redeem us. Those who are disconnected from their source and their purpose are invited back into the fold. This is also what Christ is doing when he is making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is why many of us have come to the place of a good relationship with Jesus and understand this is what I was made for. And all of the lesser pursuits would never fulfill. When Jesus is making peace through his blood on, the shed, uh, on this, uh, his blood shed on the cross, he is also saying that those who are guilty are declared faultless through the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. That means that you and I have a standing with God that we didn't earn because of the peacemaking work of Christ. And finally, and perhaps most simply, the peace made by Christ on the cross means that those who are broken are being restored. One of my favorite examples of restoration I shared several years ago, uh, if you are familiar with Michelangelo's Pietà, it's one of the great works of art. It's the, it's the sculpture of, of Mary uh, holding the, the slain Christ after he's been crucified. Beautiful, exquisite in its, art, in its artistry. In the early 1970s, that masterpiece which was completed in 1500, so after all of these years, was set upon by a crazy person who struck it 15 times with a sculptor's hammer. Now, I don't know what it was like to experience that, but I, they, they put it into restoration. They began to, to try to restore this great piece of artwork. I can't help but thinking what pressure that must have been for the restorers. Talk about a job you don't want to get wrong. But they were able to restore that thing to near-perfect condition, and then when they redisplayed it, they put it behind three bulletproof pieces of glass and didn't let anybody get within 25 feet of it. But it was a story of restoration, the masterpiece of God's creation. Humanity lies broken and in need of restoration, but Jesus has made peace on the cross. He is in the process of restoring shalom. This is the great reinstitution of shalom. We understand the shalom of God. We see that it begins to fit into the greater scriptural narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. That Jesus is actually on that mission now and that he calls us to be a part of it. So let me ask you to pause on this for a moment and just ask yourself the question. If this is your one takeaway of today, then let it be your one takeaway. Where do you see the absence of shalom in your world? That's a powerful question. Where do you see the absence of shalom in your world? Because the answer to that question will actually help you pray with greater purpose. It will help you act on greater mission. And for some of us, it may be the clarifying question as to your calling. What are you here for? Because when we're on mission with Christ and begin to see the absence of shalom in various parts of our world, it may very well be that the Holy Spirit himself is pointing us in the direction that he wants us to go. 
Young people, pay attention to the world around you as you are contemplating your calling. So we need to understand the shalom of God. Secondly, I want to just invite you to embrace the shalom of God. You see, when a person crosses the threshold of faith in the finished work of Christ, they're drawn back into a place of incremental wholeness, experienced in part in the here and now with the promise of future glory. That's why there's tension in your life, because right now you are in part being made whole, but waiting for the future glory that Paul uh, referenced in Romans 8. This is actually how he describes it to the Ephesian church. I want you to read with me in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. This is a gift of God. It is not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't it wonderful to know that today you can embrace the shalom of God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Many of our lives tell the story of having done that. Some of us are contemplating what that would mean if we did do that. But don't leave this message today. Don't leave this service today. Don't turn off your computer today without considering the importance of embracing the shalom of God. Verse 13 of Ephesians 2 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Jesus, the peacemaker. You know, we say that we experience this in part now because we do still live in a world that is under the curse of sin. The loss of shalom in fact, is felt on almost every level. That's why when I ask you the question, can you see it anywhere in your world, it's really not that hard of a question to answer. Tim Keller, one of my favorite authors, he says this in his book, The Reason for God, the devastating loss of shalom through sin is described in Genesis 3. We are told that as soon as we determine to serve ourselves instead of God, and as soon as we abandon living for and enjoying God as our highest good, the entire created world became broken. Disease, genetic disorders, famine, natural disasters, aging, and death itself are as much the result of sin as our oppression, crime, and violence. We have lost God's shalom physically, spiritually, socially, psychologically, culturally, and things now fall apart. Romans 8, Paul says that the entire world is now in bondage to decay and subject to futility and will not be put right until we are put right. But even in this reality, Jesus the peacemaker is bringing us back to wholeness. 
2 Corinthians 5 says this, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. Now, I don't want you to sit there and hear that this morning and then simply say, I guess that sounds okay. When you hear somebody say that the old is gone in your life if you are in Christ and the new is here, it is actually okay to give a little praise to the Lord. So I'm going to hear you give a little bit of a praise offering to the Lord over that truth, if that is true in your life today. Thank you, God, for putting things right. Thank you that the old is gone, the new is here. You know, I want to share with you uh, in, in, this, in this vein another sign that I'm getting older. Several years ago, I, a few years ago, I, I shared with you that I, I can tell I'm getting older in my admiration of people's lawns. Ah, nice lawn. You know, it's just, that's such an older person thing to think, especially as a guy. I'm going to give you another one today. I'm appreciating things uh, like woodworking. I've been doing some woodworking in my downtime, little weekend warrior evenings. And there's something about coming to that place of, you know, you, you tell you're getting a little older when you can really appreciate the, the fine beauty of a, a 220 grit sand. Ooh, that's nice. Look at that wood grain, son. Look at that wood grain. I'm proud of the amateur work I've done in the wood shop, but there is something in this process that has been spiritually very filling. I don't know if you've had the experience, but when you take a rough-cut piece of wood from a dusty pile and you run it through a planer. It's hard to describe the feeling of seeing that old outer husk give way to beautiful, clean wood. It's a violent process of restoration, one tiny layer at a time. But the restoration of beauty is absolutely captivating. I think there's something that God does in our lives when we embrace the shalom, embrace the peacemaking work of Christ, that layer by layer, little by little, he's taken off those rough edges and he's showing us something of beauty that perhaps we didn't even know was there. In fact, he is giving us something of beauty that we could never fabricate on our own. So I would encourage you today to simply ask the question, have I embraced the shalom peacemaking work of Christ today? And if the answer to that is I'm not sure or no, my prayer for you is that you would bow your knee to the Lordship of Christ and say, you know what, Lord, even if the process is violent and even if it's painful and even if it's rough, make something beautiful out of this old husk of life that I have. And I promise you he'll do it. Jesus Christ is our peacemaker. So we embrace the shalom of God. And then this is where I start to get a little excited. Our last point is I want to encourage you in extending the shalom of God. I'm going to give somebody the answer and the cure to your boring form of Christianity. You're bored in your faith. Some of you have said, I've been bored in my faith for decades, Pastor. Sitting around waiting for heaven. And that's part of the problem. If you've prayed a prayer to ask Christ into your life and now find yourself on a holding pattern 
waiting for heaven, you're probably bored. But the new life of God's shalom actually begins now. You see, when our life has been touched by the divine, we find ourselves drawn into a new mission, a new way of being, an entirely new purpose. This is life as it was intended to be. And it's gritty, and it's hard, and it's adventurous, and it's exciting all at the same time when we are standing in and extending the shalom of God. A.B. Simpson was the founder of our denomination and uh, written about him in an article I read just this week was this. His practice was to hush his spirit, to literally just stop thinking and then silence his soul. He did this so that he could listen for the still, small voice of God. And in the stillness and in the quietness, Simpson discovered that he was also developing a deep compassion, a deep burning desire to see the gospel taken to all nations. Now across the world, in, in many, many countries, and in, in workers going all over the place, God's work continues because one man caught the vision of God's restoring shalom, and his world was never the same. When we embrace the mission of Christ, you may find yourself brokenhearted. In fact, what I found is that the people who embrace the mission of Christ most fully oftentimes grieve the most. But you'll never be bored because you will be running with a sense of purpose. Do you ever watch those distance runners on TV when they do a little water break? Do you see how they do it? They just like grab the cup, drink some of it, throw the rest on their head or whatever, and they just, they never stop. And you know, there's, there's never discussion there. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Nobody ever stops and says, you know, I'm not sure, this water feels a little too tepid. I don't know, there's a little bit of a, mm, little funny flavor. I mean, they couldn't get me a little more ice? You know, they don't, they don't do that. Why don't they do that? Those runners don't do that because they know they have an ultimate goal, and they're running with purpose. Friends, could I tell you, I think the church should be more like that. Greater, God, God increase our forward focus. Increase our, our movement thinking. And move people ahead toward a finish line, even though we haven't seen the finish line yet. And as we run... Help us to make an impact along the way. It's very interesting because Paul writes this to the Corinthian church. When I read to you before, he says, uh, we don't regard people from a worldly point of view. The old is gone, the new is here. We read that a few moments ago. You know, right after that, he says this in 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself. That God was reconciling the world to himself. Think about the great privilege, church, that we have been given not only to receive the shalom of God in our lives, but to actually join him on his reconciling mission in this world. Adam Gustine, 
author of a book called Becoming a Just Church, writes this, Seeking shalom and flourishing in the broken places of our communities is not only the measure of our faithfulness, it is the essential and first among the priorities of Jesus, of the Jesus community we read about in the New Testament. I'm praying that in this season that God would shake us up to the reality of his shalom, the mission that he has called us to. Let the church never forget that we are called to be on mission with him. I want to read you one more scripture today, and then we're going to wrap up. In Isaiah chapter 58, God gives this telling prophecy through Isaiah. He says, is, this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wandering uh, with shelter? to see the naked and to clothe them, not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then, he says, your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression with a pointing finger and malicious talk. Boy, we need this now more than ever in our world. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the need of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. When I was a kid, praying and asking Jesus into my heart multiple times because I was concerned about the afterlife, that was a part, an important part, of why I need to do some business with the Lord. As I realize as an older man, how much more God has for us, how much more God requires of us. Extending the shalom of God is an absolute buckle up kind of warning, but it's good and it's right. The next couple of series that we do here, starting next week, I want to do a, a brief series with you for a few weeks on race and the gospel. We need shalom of God desperately in our culture. And I am absolutely convinced that the gospel gives us better alternatives than tribalism and self-righteousness, which are so rampant in our world today on almost every side of every argument. So we're going to go after that next week. After that, we're going to talk about living in light of eternity. We're just going to do a series through 1 Thessalonians that I trust will be uh, life-giving to you, especially as it focuses on us, on what we're actually living for. But friends, as we close this message today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I would like to just invite you to pray. Let God begin to show you the places in your life 
where the shalom of God is conspicuously absent. I wonder, friends, as we pray, if you would consider Jesus Christ, the name above all names, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, the peacemaker. Do you know him today? Father, we thank you for the privilege. We thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. We thank you for the privilege of being your people. We thank you for the privilege, Lord, that that you would see fit to do acts of restoration in us and in our world through us. Lord, I simply pray that right now your Holy Spirit would fall on each of us as we wait on you, Lord. Maybe there's someone who needs to simply say, Lord, I'm open to the calling you're placing on my life. I want to respond with with a heart that is eager to say yes. I don't want to keep you at an arm's distance. Maybe somebody listening to this message today that would say, I love this talk about Jesus, but I know in my heart of hearts that I have never committed my heart and my life to him. Let Jesus be your peacemaker today. He is your peace that has broken down every wall. The wall, dividing wall of hostility between you and God is broken down at the cross of Christ. Let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day of surrender. Let today be the day of new life. I know many of us that are here today have been walking with Christ for a long time. But you may find yourself in a place of saying, Lord, I just pray for a fresh pouring out of your spirit in my life. Lord, I'm, I'm open. I'm, I'm willing. I want to be used by you today. And so I just bow my knee to you and surrender. And, and just like that kid years ago, fresh and anew, Lord, just commit myself to you. We have preached over these weeks that hope has a name we declare definitively that that name is Jesus Christ King of Kings Lord of Lords be present with us today move us stir us today help us God to be the church to be your people we want to run the the race to win the prize So as you pour out your spirit on us, Lord, cause our hearts to be responsive to you. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. We're gonna live-